The reviews are in, and Secrets is a hit. Listeners have described Secrets as priceless information, a personal cheat sheet, and binge-worthy career advice. And Season 3 promises to bring you even more secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get that coin. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to Season 3. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. KP, brother, what is happening in your world? What's going on? I'm doing all right today, PR. What's happening with you? Man. But I'll just tell you, a couple couple weeks ago, uh, I had a chance to uh, go to an industry conference for BIPOC people. And it was both very affirming while also just reinforcing the fact that how many of us are struggling in these predominantly white institutions. You know, there are so many barriers to having our voices centered, to having our experiences knowledge acknowledged and appreciated, and just really so many barriers to us having to deal with all the day-to-day trauma and microaggressions in the workplace that we have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, and... It's crazy how you're speaking about this and you're kind of calm about it, but mm-hmm. like this kind of is like splitting hairs. It is. You know? it is. <laughs> right? If I had like, hair, I'd be standing <laughs> on my head, right? <laughs> exactly. No, but you know, all of what you said like resonates with me is I reflect back on, you know, some of my uh, career and some of the experiences there. And it's it's not by surprise here as we start thinking about BIPOC and other marginalized groups. Just having to deal with an extra layer, you know, of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yes. my grandmother would say, but she didn't want to cuss around that shit, a whole bunch of S, <laughs> you know, like navigating S. in the workplace, <laughs> which is why, like, honestly, that's why we started Secrets, sure like is. in the first place. Sure is. You know, we've talked uh, throughout our nearly, geez, almost 60 episodes, episodes now, yeah. right? About the extra stress and strain that marginalized and underrepresented employees face in navigating their careers. And look, you and I are no exception. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder sometimes whether or not is all this shit even really worth it? Is it worth it? Yeah, so true. And and you know, for me personally, all of that stress and the tremendous impact that it had on my health mm-hmm. and really prompted me to like reevaluate on how I can balance all the demands um, that were put upon me while making sure I was actually around at the end of the day to like, get the fruits, enjoy the fruits of that sacrifice at the end of the day, right? right. It don't do me any good if I'm six feet under right, after doing right. all that work at the end of the day. And you know, Ricky, I, I mean, I was in line to become a public company CFO. Yeah. And then I decided to bet on myself by moving into private equity and then into the nonprofit sector. So it's been quite a journey for me in, in, in some of the pivots. And that's been a huge risk, but it's bought me many blessings and skills that, you know, if it so happens that I become a public company CFO later, if that's in the cards, I'll have an even better skill set, broader skill set. Right. And, and I think the most important thing is you've gone through that self-discovery because, yeah. you know, you always have that what if, right. you know, what fact if. in. And you have to be able to kind of to do that, you know, on your own. And KP, like you, at some point, many of us have to decide when and if it's the right time to bet on ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. We have to make a leap from working for the man to maybe working for ourselves, which is the topic of our episode today. I am so excited, okay, to have Daryl Smith join us today. Daryl is the founder and CEO of DAS and Associates, a private organization of advisors that supports clients to build world-class organizations by aligning business strategy with human capital performance strategy, I mean, this brother is is been doing this work, and he he is the real deal, right? And yeah. we said we're gonna bring unicorns on the show, this right? Yeah, we're bringing them, right? And he brings over thirty years of experience as a leadership facilitator, a strategist, a human capital advisor, an executive coach, and a phenomenal speaker. Prior to starting his own company, Daryl worked for several. Fortune 500 companies, including serving as a senior partner with the world's largest executive recruiting firm. Daryl, my fellow alpha brother, welcome to Secrets. Thank you, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you. It's been a moment. 
Yeah, <laughs> it has. It has. And uh, in today's episode, we'll talk with Daryl about his career path and some of the challenges and triumphs he faced while climbing to the top. We'll also discuss why he decided to bet on himself and start mm-hmm. his own company after a successful corporate career. We'll provide some receipts on Black business ownership, and we'll close out with secrets from Daryl on how to bet on yourself and start your own company. So look, so again, welcome, Daryl. Uh, we like to start out our um, our interviews by giving our listeners a sneak peek into who they're actually speaking to. We met for the first time in July when KP and I flew out to Cincinnati, and that was one of them long trips. Boy, Ooh, we, boy. hey, we was we was jet set that day, but we we went out there to be a part of an interview that you actually facilitated with the Lead Three Hundred and Sixty team. In that conversation, we spoke about our experiences as black male executives, and I think it was a few times we probably forgot we was recording. That's okay, right. <laughs> but the energy that we had during that session. Man, it was just, it was ridiculous. And it, but it led us to wanting to get you on secrets so that we could hopefully be able to duplicate some of that and other people could could be able to hear what we were speaking about. So if you can, brother, tell us a little bit about Daryl, about you. What's your story? What was like life like for you before you hit the big time, before you was moving on up? That's right. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I appreciate that question. And I think about my story, and I'm going to go all the way back to my formative years, because as I progress through the story, I'm going to give you insight into how I got to uh, the corporate uh, arena. Well, you know how they say, like in church, Daryl, you know, when they get to talk, they'd be like, take your time, baby. Take your time, <laughs> Daryl. Give, give, it, give it to us, Daryl. Well, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago in a community that uh, at the time was highly diverse um, with parents who believed in education. Um, and you know, we had the extended family there. So grandma wasn't too far away. Um, and, and those pearls of wisdom that she bestowed as a, as a young child on me, I still hold to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm, as I'm growing up in the inner city of Chicago, um, surrounded by all this diversity, which and in hindsight, I realized was intentional, um, by my parents, um, because the world is more than just a single uh, culture. It, it, it's comprised of multiple cultures, multiple people. So um, as you know, my sister and I were um, being groomed to enter the world, um, we, we, we had the opportunity to interface with multiple dimensions of diversity. And so I became really curious as a child um, around differences um, of thought, of beliefs, of, of culture, and would always ask questions. So that curiosity also got me into trouble, <laughs> lots of trouble. Because <laughs> my mother stayed in school uh, because she was always getting a call at, 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 you know, at, at her work saying, "Hey, Miss um, uh, Smith, you got to come up because we've got a, we've got another challenge uh, with Daryl. You know, he's being disruptive in the classroom." Mm-hmm. And my disruption wasn't me acting out. My disruption was me questioning. Um, you know, my, my, my teachers at the time around uh, some of the lessons that they were so, so dutifully, um, you know, trying to bestow upon us. Right. And so it was, wow, that's, you know, that's an interesting fact that you make because, you know, in, in, in reading with my parents at home, I got a different perspective on that. <laughs> so you have to mention X, Y, and Z. So I was labeled that disruptive child. When so, that so, went on. So, so, so when I, when the, when they would call like uh, to the school, uh, I wondered what, were they, whether the administrators doing like they used to do for, for my mom, like, my mom would be like, put Ricky on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that voice. <laughs> yeah. Like, boy, now nah, they over here messing with me. I'm like, boy, this is my job. You need to do my what you job. need to do. Over here, my job. <laughs> I thought, you know, in my in my mom's voice, you know, we had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> your, look, your parents over um, there teaching you critical race theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got you asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you know, so it it but it it was that curiosity, man, that um I realized as I began to advance in my education was something that uh, you know, we talk about our superpowers, our gifts, um, our talent um, has propelled me. 
because I've always been curious about why the world is, functions the way it does. And then, you know, after matriculating out of undergrad, grad school and entering the corporate space, it's the curiosity that's always said, hmm, why are they succeeding faster than others? Right now, having the whole mindset and the whole lens, you know, and then the words weren't at, at the tip of my tongue around, you know, just, you know, institutional racism, systemic racism, that wasn't at the tip back then. Um, but in hindsight, um, that curiosity allowed me to enter these corporate, you know, confines and really realize there were t- different sets of rules that were being applied to individuals who look like us versus our counterparts. Mm-hmm. And despite all of the hard work effort, because, you know, we got to show up and we got to be twice as prepared, right? Mm-hmm. We got to show up. And even if I might not be the subject matter expert on the subject, I got to do my due diligence so that I can show up in the room and contribute. Mm-hmm. So it, it's never been the fact that I haven't been um, non-curious or I haven't been striving for growth, um, but it's always been those walls, those glass ceilings yeah. that I bumped yeah. up against um, that have attempted to retard my progression. And I use that word attempted intentionally um, because despite all of the wonderful, you know, contributions I've made to organizations, right? Measurable contributions, right? I made to organizations showing up high in nine box. I always bumped up against walls or ceilings that said, "Mm, you're not quite ready yet. Mm -hmm. You you haven't mastered this skill. you know, we're going to put you over here and give you some more development to round you out. And even when I did that, I would always bump up against that same song and dance. Well, this might not be the right world for you yet, or you don't have the executive gravitas that we're looking you know, like, what the? All right, really, at the end of the day. So as I'm navigating corporate, as I am building my brand, all the things that we're right. taught being intentional about asking for that that I want, I got to a point where I decided that I had to start creating for myself. And got really clear around my purpose and my passion, those gifts that I I was born with, that curiosity, those gifts and talents that I had refined over the years. How do I leverage that in such a way so that I wake up every single day, uh, I'm really clear about my North Star and how I show up and how I support people. More importantly, how I support people who look like me. Mm-hmm. I'm not underestimating the fact that, you know, um, uh, I'm a global steward. By that, I mean, I, I'm about humanity. But I'm also about supporting with greater intentionality the underdog. And quite often, black and brown individuals in corporate arenas are the underdog um, uh, as, as we navigate the corporate landscapes. And what I realized is a lot of that is unintentional. Uh, it's programming. Uh, we call it systemic challenges. It's programming. Um, and I decided to, to flip the switch and change the program because I am the architect of, of Daryl. And, and I am the architect of my success. I don't rely on anyone to articulate or define what that is for me. Neither should anyone. Mm-hmm. So the moment I became really clear about what my passion is, what my North Star, the gifts, the talents, the purpose that I bring to life, I began to shift. Now, in the course of shifting, there are some things that began to accelerate my exodus from the corporate landscape. And like Brother Keith, I, uh, I had a major health scare. You know, we run hard, right? We're trying to, uh, you know, obtain those targets. I had a team of individuals at that large corporate organization that reported into me. So I'm developing, growing them, ensuring that I'm positioning them, sponsoring them, doing all of this global client work. I'm showing up top of the house uh, in many of my organizations, supporting those leaders to pivot, lean into the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
more intentionally and holistically, right? Getting them to do their work mm-hmm. so that they could advance uh, the strategy within the organization. In the course of doing that, right, in the midst of COVID, my body started to just really act up. And I just thought it was stress, right? We're all under stress. We're all operating, uh, leveraging technology. And what I realized after a series of tests was I had this growth on my pituitary gland Mm. uh, that had been growing there for years. It was, thank God, non-cancerous, but it had to be removed because it was disrupting my body Mm -hmm. in a way that if I had not immediately addressed it, I'm not sure if I'd be sitting here talking with you, Mm -hmm. right? It It was centimeters away from touching my pituitary gland. And the pituitary gland regulates every single function in your body. That little pea size, walnut size gland regulates all of that in your body. So my body was just out of whack and had to have you know quick emergency surgery. And it was during the course of my recuperation, I asked myself, what am I doing and why? Mm-hmm. What am I doing and why? And am I doing the work that I should be doing? Is there another way for me to do the work? That allows me to show up more balanced, um, more holistic, and with alignment to my purpose, right? Which is about helping individuals elevate, ascend into their greatness. And I think we all were born with purpose, helping, illuminating for individuals how to recognize, align with that, and then execute on that purpose. So... Um, In the course of recuperation, uh, which took about four months, uh, I got really clear about devising a strategy, um, which morphed into a plan for me to exit corporate and then to to begin my my new journey um, with uh, Daz and Associates. And that, you know, that brings us to uh, the point of our conversation. And so that's a bit of my story that's gotten me to this point where I can sit and talk to you because my story's always been around curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in spite of the fact that many individuals have told me, don't, you know, worry about curiosity. Just go yeah. along. Just play the play. Mm, the play doesn't feel right. The play isn't benefiting individuals that look like me. Right? Yeah. The play isn't setting uh, an equitable playing field for all. Um, and so I decided to do something that would and can um, support leaders to think about how they are designing systems, structures, policies, procedures that allow more individuals to show up holistically in the organization and bring forth all those phenomenal gifts, intangible gifts um, that they've been born with, that they've, they've mastered, that they've crafted over the years in such a way that supports the organization to really execute on their on their on their targets, their strategy, and there's that word again with greater intentionality. Yep. So that's my story. Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's great. And you know, a couple of things in there struck me, uh, in particular as you're talking about in in corporate kind of the the walls, the ceilings, the mm. barriers that just kept being put in front of you, you know, you're not ready, or, you know, maybe you need this other experience. There's always that old rope-a-dope, you know, Lucy with the football kind of a thing, right? Phenomena going on. Is there a moment that sticks out for you in particular, where just one of those just kind of hits you hard that was kind of transformative for you? Brother. (laughs) I vividly recall, there's a whole story about the large global organization that I joined. I joined that organization by way of an acquisition because of their deep pockets, right? Their, their broad global, global presence. They were able to uh, acquire best-in-class organizations. So um, I worked um, at the time, I was working at the time um, as vice president for a, a boutique organization that was the leading DE&I consultancy in North America at the time. And so this organization versus creating content and enabling internal resources around the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion, they said, Let, let's go out and let's acquire. So they went out and they acquired. And what a lot of folks don't know about me is as they were going out and acquiring, 
And I, I was a part of that acquisition because of my title, right? I had to be a part of that acquisition. I was one of the resources that was positioned. I decided then that it was time for me to exit corporate mm-hmm. and started a men's grooming line. Mule Meanie Luck started a men's grooming line and began to accelerate that, that vision, right? The business strategy around the grooming line. And got to accelerate that strategy and orchestrate it that I would work part-time for the firm as I was growing my business. And then we were acquired, and then I had to come into uh, this large global entity full-time because, mm, no, they weren't tolerating. And it was, you're going to be with us or you're not. So I went there full-time, and a lot of things started to happen. Many of the individuals at my level were brought on as senior partners. I wasn't. Although all of the data uh, that they needed to, to confirm my senior partner status, uh, I, I, I guess it, wasn't, it mm-hmm. wasn't reviewed, it wasn't looked at, it wasn't analyzed as they were making some of their decisions. So I came in a step below senior partner. Um, and began to work with the organization. And, you know, that thing that we do, let me show you just how good I am, right? So I went into this whole proving mode. Let me get in. Let me grow business. Let me grow business at, you know, these phenomenal margins. Uh, let me enable and, and grow teams. Let me bring thought leadership. And I did that for a number of years. And each year they would say, you know, you are, you qualify catch the word, you qualify <laughs> at this stage now to be considered for a senior partner. And I said, qualify? Okay, well, if we're going to be technical, I qualified when we were acquired, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so I've proven now to you that I'm worthy and capable of whatever that, you know, those that mode is for you. And so for years, I said, no, thanks. And that final year, my manager at the time said, you, you really cannot pass this up again. I'm not sure if they're going to circle back and ask. So I went on and I applied for the role of, of senior partner. And it was sort of like going through a crash MBA course. It was unbelievable. The writing, the positioning, right? The proving I had to do that. You have all this data, but I got to amass all this data and give it to you in a format that you put in front of a committee to determine if I'm worthy enough to be a senior partner in your organization. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, we do what we do. And I went through it. I became a senior partner. I became a senior partner. And what I didn't know at the time was I was the first ever African-American Black senior partner promoted in the advisory space within this organization. Wow. They minimize that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's those types of situations though. Like I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm boiling for you. Right. Because like, we've all been through that. Now we're not talking about the undergraduate degree. We're not talking about the master's degree. We're not talking about all of the work that you've done to get there. We're not talking about being overqualified just to be qualified. Right. We're not talking about all of the receipts that you have that proved that you're there right now. It's like, yeah, well, you did that, but okay, now you do it. Okay. And we make it look like we were just waiting on you, Daryl. Like you could have been, pro- we're just waiting on you. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, why didn't you tell us you was ready a long time ago, Daryl? <laughs> I was ready. The piece were, were you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Were they? So, so, so as we're kind of, as we're kind of thinking about, you know, like all of your illustrious career, right? We're thinking about the receipts that you've been able to amass, like all of those things that that you had. And I'm sure going through this, that last interview process made you probably, outside of the health, you know, stuff, this made you say, well, damn, if I'm going to work this hard, I might as well just be doing this for myself, <laughs> right? Like, so, so talk to me real quick, if you can, what kind of considerations that you give at that point was uh, for, for you in terms of should I stay in corporate America or should I kind of do this, you know, on my own? I, I know the health thing was probably the, the, the last is it worth it, you know, type of a piece. But was it that interview or was it other things that ended up being like, 
the catalyst that made you say, you know what, forget the money. I'm making good money. I'm doing this, that, and the other, but maybe I need to kind of just go ahead and, and, and just mash that on my own. Well, you know, I had been in the role of senior partner before I decided to leave. Um, I'd been in that role then, at that point for about four years. And it was during, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, which we're still in to some degree, and a lot of the civil unrest yeah. um, that began to surface that the organization began to tap me more in different ways, <laughs> um, like they'd never tapped me before. Mm-hmm. Um, because they needed individuals like myself, oh, now you do, to show up and then support our clients navigate, mm-hmm. right? These very hot buttons within their organization during this time of uncertainty. So I began to become really stretched, right? And I remember vividly working 60, 70 hours a week, working weekends. Now, at this time, we're not traveling. Everything is is done, you know, leveraging technology, just Zoom after Zoom after Zoom. And I remember giving them a lot of my better thinking. Mm -hmm. I remember giving them a lot of some of my intellectual property, right, that I had created, you know, when you with these organizations, once you create it, once you share it, it belongs to them. And I began to ask myself, what would happen if I retained that and held that for myself and began to action on that for me, for myself, right? Mindset shift. I began to shift my mindset. And it goes back to curiosity. I started asking myself the question, what if, what if I were to branch on my own? Right. Do I have the brand? Do I have the network? Yeah, I do. What if I began to tap the network and began to share with the network my intention? I began to create a personal board of advisors, mm-hmm. right? Who began to whisper in my ear some things that I, I hadn't even began to consider as I began to think about this possibility of moving out and away from corporate, because, you know, corporate, man, don't get me wrong. It was a great salary. The benefits were great. You know, I'm sitting at a senior partner level. So there was a lot of perks mm-hmm. that came with that role. There's a lot of, I mean, tangible perks mm-hmm. that came with that role. Um, the question became for me and Do I have enough faith and belief in myself that what I'm doing for them, I can do for myself? And the moment I got clear on that, it was a no-brainer for me. Mm -hmm. The moment I got clear that I can replicate what I'm doing and actually do it with the purpose and the conviction that means and makes sense for Daryl, that aligns with Daryl's purpose, right? The moment I, I, I got crystal clear on that is the moment I began to pivot and shift my mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I began to build a structure around me. And, you know, we're all from corporate. So we know you got to have an operational plan. You got to have a strategic plan. You got to make sure your finances is in order, right? All of those attributes about building an organization or creating and building your own, I began to just amass and to execute upon And so by the time I went back to the firm to advise them of my decision, um, I can't tell you what was then offered. Hey, of course. (laughs) Right. What was then what was what they were countering? They were they were going to counter to keep me with them. But because of the conviction, there wasn't enough countering in the world. And it was a nice countering. But because of the conviction, there wasn't enough countering in the world because it was time for me to move. Mm-hmm. But the so, crazy yeah. part about that, the crazy part about that, even like with the with the countering is that validates what your market value is. Right. Exactly. And, and it's and it's probably it validates it, meaning you could probably get more, <laughs> you know, elsewhere. Right. right. But again, that's, right. that's a key. That's a key uh, place. though. No. And they should have been giving that to you in the first place. It shouldn't have. You know, you shouldn't have had to threaten to quit in order to get paid that, right? And that's the stuff that's always crazy. It's always crazy. It's always, it's crazy. always crazy. Now, now that you've been out there, uh, you know, you've, you've gone out on your own, you know, any any regrets or knowing what you know now, is there anything you do differently? No regrets, sir. 
Good. No regrets. <laughs> if, if, if anything, I, I wish I had leaped earlier. I wish I had leaped earlier. And for me, um, it, it's not just about the health component. You know, I'll be 60 in a couple of years. So I realized that I, you know, my runway is narrowing, right? But even with the runway narrowing, um, you know, there are things that we pick up from corporate that we realize to be true. Um, and what I realize to be true now is that I can't do it on my own. So it's it's been about me aligning and developing strategic partnerships and alliances. It's been about me bringing on some phenomenal talent that I can develop and grow and support as they're executing on their passion, right? It's about, it's been about me carving and creating the space that allow people, right? And I got a diverse team that allow people uh, to leverage those gifts, those skills, those attributes that they bring in a manner that, that keeps them focused and on target with purpose. One of the things about Daz is that we stay in a constant state of learning. We are, we're always learning something new. We're always applying. We're always researching. Um, we are never content with having the final answer because the world evolves. The world is generative. There's always change happening. Mm -hmm. And so although we have critical and, and core IP, we're always looking to build and expand on that. Mm -hmm. We're always looking to stretch ourselves. Um, in manners that um, that are holistic, um, in, in, in manners that not only serve us as individuals, but the clients that we partner with. And so to come back to your question, mm, I wish I'd done it earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the stretch has really um, solidified for me. That if we're not careful, corporate structures can minimize how we show up as individuals. And it retards our growth, our individual, our personal, our professional growth. And if I had left the organization when I was starting that men's line, yeah, it might be a different story. But I just think about all I would have amassed up until this point. Mm -hmm. And so this journey, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. And have there, has there been difficult days? Yeah, starting a new business. Yes. Have there been some key learnings? Yes. Have there been hiccups? Yes, um, but we get back on the saddle. We learn from our mistakes, and we get in, and we continue on. And, and and it's just been my mantra, mm -hmm. right? Crazy. Learn from mistake, and what did you learn? How do you do it differently? Right? Reapply That's the curiosity. It. That's the curiosity that you grew up with, right? You're building in your, in your company. Yeah, yeah. So so you know, you mentioned um, you know the things that when you were with uh, your last uh, uh, organization before branching out on your own, and now you're out on your own. And again, crazy time to, to, to branch out on your own when you think about the social unrest, right? Mm. I think that things are still happening, obviously, right? We're not at this this kumbaya, we're cured, whatever it is, right? You still have like the COVID pandemic, we got climate change interruptions and additional political turmoil. How has all of these factors and maybe others that we didn't mention, how have these things impacted your business today? How has this impacted DAS? All of the, all of the change, and I'm going to just say out loud, brace yourselves because we, it's just starting. I mean, this mass <laughs> resignation, it's just starting. You know, the polarization, it, uh, it's, it's, as we look up, we'll, we'll see greater divisions uh, taking place in, in, in our country, in our corporations. Um, how has it impacted, Daz? It's actually positioned me uh, in a manner that it's allowed, let me say it differently. It's provided me this major tailwind. Mm -hmm. It's provided me this major tailwind. And the tailwind is because we're grounded and really clear about our purpose with showing up and supporting individuals and organizations, right? Thrive in all of the change that's happening. It allows us to show up in, in a manner and a way that is highly authentic in a way that we represent our vulnerability 
to the organizations that we serve because we're modeling what we're asking for. The more vulnerable, the more open leaders are, the more equipped leaders are with doing their own work so that they can then pivot mindset again and support the organization differently. It's, it's allowed us to show up in this space and do the work that we have missioned on in this really, I don't want to use the word woke, but that's the word that's coming up for me in, 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 in an awakening, an illuminating mm-hmm. type of matter. There are clients that we realize aren't the best fit for us, and we graciously bow out. Mm-hmm. Because they're not ready to do their work, if that makes sense. No, it right? makes a whole bunch of sense. <laughs> you know, they you know, we get in there and they want to action and 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 you know, give us some training and 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 we need to check the box on this. And we're like, no. Are are you really re- ready to to understand the current state of your climate and your organization? Right, you as a leader. Are you really ready to understand what's preventing you from supporting or inhibiting you from supporting the organization with really advancing this work more strategically? You, as a leader, are you equipped to model uh, the work so that the team below you leans in, looks at your modeling and begins to understand and can replicate, right? Why? this work is critical at this time to the organization. And so there's some organizations who aren't ready to do that. Yeah. And we're like, well, we're not the firm for you. Yeah. Conversely, you know, some of the larger firms that I've been with, that hasn't been the mindset. It is, at the end of the day, you know, that represents revenue. That represents revenue. So we don't, you know, and I'm not going to blanket this, but I don't care if they're congruent or not. It represents revenue that we need for the bottom line. And, you know, I'm a little different. I'm like, mm, if you're not going to be congruent with the work, I'm not the one for you. Mm-hmm. Because the time and effort and the energy we're going to put into this, <laughs> yep. and you're not yep. ready? Come on. Don't waste my time, and I'm not going to waste yours. Yep, yep, you got it. You got it. And and one final question, because this has all been, like, really, really good and thought-provoking. Right, and right. I, I'm loving the energy that you're bringing. And obviously, betting on yourself is hard, and it took some time and deep thought, okay. as, you, as you've talked about, that they have that confidence to go to it. You know, and you said you would actually do this earlier if you had the opportunity. And just thinking all the way back to, to your story, Chicago, diverse neighborhood, all of those things, what would you tell your younger self? about believing in yourself and and betting on yourself? I would share with my younger self to be more open. Mm -hmm. I would have shared with my younger self to be more open and receptive because I bumped up against situations um, in my formative years, you know, matriculating through, you know, our, our educational system and some of that programming that I retained, that I realized in hindsight, actually slowed my progress. Mm-hmm. So let me say it a little differently. If you're familiar with the movie, The Matrix, mm-hmm. if you think about The Matrix and just the storyline of The Matrix, right? It's all around a couple of things. It's around programming, what stories do we retain that we're not even aware dictate how we show up and navigate? Mm-hmm. So there are stories as a younger person I wish I had leaned into earlier because some of those stories um, had me second-guessing myself. Some of those stories had me going, mm, am I smart enough? Am I capable, right? Mass says I'm not. If I look at it from a societal standpoint, you know, we're less than. We're not as um, brilliant, right? Um, we're not, we, we, we don't invoke wisdom, right? We're followers versus leaders. We're not creatives. I'm like, God, dog, if I had known earlier in my life 
that that was just a bunch of hogwash, right? I'd gone and leaned in to those stories that I was being given <laughs> and processed those stories. Uh, we'd be having a different conversation right now, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, different conversation. Um, so I would, I would, I would tell my younger self, "Hey, be mindful of those stories." Um, I would also tell myself, "Be careful of those wounds that have been inflicted that you've held on to, mm. because it's those wounds and that pain that prevent you, right, from executing, from being curious, from taking the risk, right, from betting on yourself." I think that's what I would tell him. I actually, I know that's what I would tell my younger self. Mm. Man, that, that, that's, we that's, could end the episode yeah, right yeah, there, Rick. Exactly. Well, it, it ain't nothing not. else to say. It ain't nothing else to say. But no, no, that's that's like remarkable because we're talking about you know all of this extra static, all of this extra stuff that we have to deal with, right? And we've been conditioned, you know, as black and brown people and as females trying to get to the top, we've been conditioned yeah. to feel like you know we need to check. Five more boxes before we're ready or, hey, you need an MBA or, hey, you need something else to be able to get there. So we've been uh, conditioned, you know, to kind of believe some of those things. And now we we know now that, like you said, a bit of hogwash, you know, there. Right. So, look, at, at this point, we've been sharing, you know, Daryl's story, Keith and I, we've been talking about, you know, what we've seen and whatnot. And I think it's there might be some people out there, Keith, who think we're just making this shit up. You know what I mean? So at this point, what we want to be able to do, as we always do, is come with some of these receipts. Because if if we didn't have anything to talk about, there wouldn't be any receipts. (laughs) Okay, so so what we're going to uh, uh, talk about today is we're going to share some receipts on what it's like to be a black business owner. That's so right. Keith, why don't you hit us with receipt number one? I will. And even and again, even though you're going out and betting on yourself, the struggle is still real. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> At right. the end of the day, <laughs> the struggle <laughs> is still real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and receipt number one, according to Nationally Black Owned, black entrepreneurs make up the largest sub- subset of people of color, small business owners with roughly 2 million businesses in the U.S., generating $150 billion in revenue. And 36% of Black-owned business owners uh, decided to go into business for themselves for the reasons uh, that they want to become their own boss. 36% wanted to become their own boss. 24% did so to pursue their passion. We heard that from Daryl. You know, 17% were inspired by a new business idea. And 17% were just not satisfied with corporate America. So I think you heard, like, probably every one of those from Daryl. <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> and, and talking to him, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. And, and, and when we think about other people that we've spoken to, or even other episodes that we've had this year, yep. we talk about plenty of these things that constantly are there behind the scenes here, making you mm-hmm. say, is it really worth it, it really me, worth you, it. you know, That's being right. in corporate America? Or if I'm going to do all of this, I might as well just, <laughs> you know. That's so right. I, I love that receipt, Keith. Receipt number two, statistics from uh, Fundera show that Black businesses face many financial challenges. Black business owners receive less business financing, less often, and at higher interest rates. OK, we talked about some yes. of the stuff when we mm-hmm. talked about redlining and some other things. Yep. but. Federal Reserve numbers show that 80.2% of white business owners receive at least a percentage of the funding they request from a bank. 80% receive that funding. I mean, it's like if you go in there, it's like that old episode of uh, Saturday Night Live when uh, Eddie Murphy was trying to borrow money from banks and he had no collateral or anything. (laughs) And he asked him at the end, do you know of any other banks around here like this? (laughs) But it's it's really, it's really, uh, you know, uh, like that. So then we'll say to that 80%, only 66.4% of BIPOC, that's black indigenous people of color. uh, uh, Those business owners can say the same, like that's ridiculous. When BIPOC owned firms do get funding, the amounts tend to be about 30,000 less than comparable white-owned businesses, while their interest rates are about 1.4% higher. 37.9% of Black business owners say they are discouraged from applying for loans. 
the primary reason many black uh, business owners don't apply for loans is because they believe they would be turned down even if they applied. Just 12.7% of white business owners feel the same way. Lastly, the average level of startup capital for black entrepreneurs is just $35,205. On the other hand, white entrepreneurs report an average of $106,720 of startup capital. Just 1% of black business owners obtain business loans in their first year. Comparatively, 7% of white-owned firms get business loans in their first year. So, look, I mean, I know I gave you a mouthful, but (laughs) the shit is real. Like, we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things that Daryl said he would have told him his his younger self. Mm -hmm. Like, there are things here. There are barriers here. There's There's stuff here that keeps you from being your best or Mm -hmm. keeps you from going out there and having equal footing when it comes to this. Yeah, no doubt. And the final receipt that we'll share with you, just a couple more receipts on this financing thing. Because again, this is all systemic, right? Mm-hmm. These are still those walls and those ceilings and those barriers that Daryl was talking about in corporate America. They still exist outside of corporate America too for, for Black business owners. Just let's look at credit cards. 30% of white business owners report having a credit card versus 15% of Black business owners in terms of being able to obtain a credit card. of white business owners are able to get a personal loan versus 14% of black business owners. White business owners are able to get loans from their families. You know, 9% get loans from their families. Blacks, we have to rely on our family. So 14% (laughs) of us have to get loans from our family. And finally, again, black business owners are far more likely to rely on family and their community for financial help in their first year um, than are their white counterparts because there's no financial institution that's going to give them capital. I mean, so, again, Terrell, I don't know if you felt some of this. <laughs> you have any comments in these receipts? Ooh, if, if, I, if, if I may, let yeah. me, as, as you're going through these, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, as, as we think about, you know, you know, believing in ourselves, launching our own, um, for me, um, it was also clear about legacy. Mm-hmm. And it's also about generational wealth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, a group of young um, nieces, nephews who are coming behind me, coming out some of our, our most prestigious universities, HBCUs <laughs> and not. And I'm thinking about what can I leave them that will give them an opportunity to leverage their their skills, their talents, their passions differently and set up an entity that gives them a footing. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Wealth. Think about how wealth, generational wealth happens, right? I would love to have said to you that um, I could have gone to my family and gotten a lot of the money for the startup. No. Um, (laughs) A lot of that I I, I had to stash. And in the course of stashing that, I also realized, although you got your, you know, your employee identification number, a lot of decisions are made on your personal, your personal, right? Yeah. Financial information. So be, be diligent about ensuring that you are setting up yourself for success. Make sure that your FICO scores, make sure that you've got not only great scores, but you're paying your bills, you're managing your money. If you can't manage your personal money, how do you think you're going to manage your business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is crazy. So, so, I mean, and, and Daryl, what you're telling us is, is, is gold, you know, here, right. And, and again, we want to give you a little bit more time to talk about this, but I want to make sure that if our secrets listeners don't have their pens and paper out, I'm going to give you a second to get it out. Okay. I'm going to give you a second to get it out because look, our, our special guest today here at Daryl is giving us just a sneak peek at his journey. Okay. And we're talking about the cliff notes. So he didn't have any cliff notes, right. you know, and learning, you know, as he goes and kind of learning from other people. So, so Daryl, why don't you, you know, do us a favor and just share a few or more, a few more of those gems or secrets, you know, on how to bet on yourself and start your own gig. I know you already talked about making sure that credit, you know, is right. You talked about some of those things. Hit us with a few more of those secrets. 
manage your personal money like you would manage your business. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, build your pool. I call them my advisors. Build your pool of advisors. Individuals that know you, that you trust, that you will receive really, you know, unconditional, transparent insight and information from. Mm-hmm. Quite often we're heading down a path and we were so, con- you know, because of our conviction and we're heading down that path. But if I, and, and, and it causes and creates blinders, right? I've been there. It causes and creates blinders. Think about the value and the power of having your personal, um, if you, again, you want to call them board, who can support you with thinking about decisions that you're making, just individuals to bounce ideas off of. If you don't, I highly recommend as you're thinking about your business and starting your business, find someone in your network who understands finance if you don't or accounting if you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is going to be critical, right? So we're so focused around getting out and making the money. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, we, gotta, we want to pay ourselves. Yeah. Um, but if you're not, again, managing that money correctly, right, investing that money back in yourself, leveraging that for expansion, you're going to have some problems. You're going to have some major problems. You mentioned it, and it is so critical. Get that business card. Find an institution who's going to provide you with a line. I got my first line of credit four months out. And I went to a Black-owned institution, bank, for that line of credit. Now, I had to go in with that business plan. <laughs> I had to go in with my that accountant, help me pull all of these numbers together, so I, my projections. I had to go in. I had to articulate the case and prove the case. We managed to do that. So I, I need you to think about if you're if you are thinking about starting your own business, you talk about receipts, ensure that your structure is in order, right? Do your due diligence. Um, also, you know, my grandmother used to say this, no man is an island. Yeah, you're going to come out, you're going to have a vision, you're going to have a belief, uh, you're going to have intellectual property, and whatever it might be that you're going to launch your business off of. But in addition to that private board, who are the folks that you most trust that will introduce you to their network, right? So you can gain some traction and momentum. Um, In hindsight, I think about how blessed I have been um, before even having a website, before even articulating to people what it is that Daz does. It It was my network who was introducing me to potential clients, potential business. Think about how you build that network in your brand. Again, going back to my grandmother, no man is an island. Think about the the power of unity, right? Think about the power of unity. Are there other like organizations that you can collaborate with strategically channel partners, strategic partners to further your brand, to further the work that you're doing um, in, 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 in a strategic format. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often we think about starting our own business. I'm going to get in my little cocoon and I'm going to create it. I'm going to execute on it. Yeah, that's a possibility. I've done that. Does it work? Well, it could. But think about all the energy and effort. Think about the power Right. And expanding your network, your brand, leveraging others to support you with moving your vision and your business forward. There's power in that. Think about the power as a minority owned business, contingent on the work that you're doing, about being a member and aligning yourself with minority owned business councils. Right. Those councils support you with sometimes gaining access into insight around funding. Those councils support collectively, maybe it's an insurance need. Think about the value of being with a larger body of individuals who are like-minded, purpose-driven, 
that you can tap in and collectively source things like health insurance or operational structures that you might need in the organization. Think outside of the box. Dare to be different. Don't attempt it. Don't attempt to do it all on your own. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with these two brothers now, right, engaged in this conversation because it's we are like-minded individuals who are looking to support other like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Don't be selfish. Yeah. That's all great advice. Such amazing advice, such great gems. And we really appreciate you uh, sharing all of that with us today. And again, for our listeners out there, you can find more resources on the secrets that Daryl talked about today and the receipts that we shared by going to our website, uh, secrets.com, looking in those show notes uh, that Janelle puts together for us. And and look, and, and Daryl, I want to also send out, uh, you know, my thanks, you know, to you as well. Gems was being dropped today. OK, and I know people are going to have to rewind some of this to be able to get to, to get it. But we're so appreciative. Who knew that a chance meeting in Cincinnati would lead to us sharing this time that we had here together today and hopefully building a long lasting relationship? Again, we talk about the village you know, like our village continues to get stronger, to get wider. And this was this is absolutely what it's about. So we really appreciate you being a supporter of Secrets and for what we've uh, built, you know, here so far. Shout out to all of our listeners and fans out there, all of our our young listeners and future uh, uh, Secrets uh, executives like we got. You know, Sabdu out there. We got Cheyenne out there. We got like a whole bunch of people, you know, after we got Miss Kennedy out there trying to get hers too. But we want to just be able to say thank you because we're trying to build this foundation, you know, here. You've made all of this stuff, you know, possible, you know, for us. And we told you that season three would absolutely not disappoint. And this right here has been another one of those illustrations. So be sure to write a review on Apple and check us out on LinkedIn and, and on our Patreon you know, page as well. Mm-hmm. And you already know this. We say it all the time. Ricky are all about helping you get what you deserve, making sure that you get that coin. Um, so check us out. Check out our coaching services. In the course of the 16 months that we've been doing secrets, we've been able to help people get over a million dollars in extra compensation just based on our work with them. And so we want to help you do the same thing. And again, you can take some of that little coin that we help you get and buy some merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) Check us out on our website, buy some merchandise. Again, we want to thank Daryl for being with us today and dropping them gems, bringing some science. It was really great having you on today, Daryl. So appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Um, And the work, uh, this platform that you're doing to really, as you said, Ricky, to, you know, support the community, right? The village, um, because it takes a village. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I commend and compliment the two of you on the, the work that you've been doing, the platform that you've created. And it's just a blessing and a privilege uh, to be invited in uh, to spend some time with you. So thank you so much. Oh, no, no, no problem at all. And, and, and look, uh, Daryl, if there's anything that, that, that we can do or any connections that we can make, I mean, again, we, we know that there's a large majority of, of organizations period, you know, that fail, you know, within their first, you know, year. And we want to make sure that we pull all of our resources together to make sure that, the, the, the brothers and sisters in our village that that, that they have a good uh, track to start off on. So again, whatever we can do to help you out. But you know, the one bet we've always placed on ourselves is the ability to get to an empty cup by the end of an episode. Okay, so it's time for us to refill these jokers right now. But before we go fill these cups back up, we want to just remind everyone to go out there and get the vaccine. If you're still messing around and doing your research, get it done or go get them boosters if you haven't already done that. Next week, we'll wrap up season three, you know, with our 60th, you know, episode with another amazing guest. So be sure to tune in. You absolutely don't want to miss that. So I want to thank everyone for listening to The Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. Take care, everybody.
Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. In fact, one listener said that Secrets makes me smarter every time I listen, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out on the web at www.secrets.com. That's www.c-cretscom to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers! <laughs>